This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. There are a lot of great struggles. There are a lot of great burdens. But how many of you know our God is greater than any battle, than any struggle, than anything we will ever face? Do you believe that God is greater this morning? I hope so. And I, I, want, I want to really show you how great your God is in this message. And I want to show you how in Ephesians chapter 6, before we pray, there are really only two commands before the five pieces of armor are given. I say five because the sword really is a weapon more than a piece of armor. We'll look at it next week. But really, this is our fifth and final piece of armor. But before he says in verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong. Can everyone say, be strong? Can I ask you if, if you would be strong during these times? If you would if you'd have some strength in the midst of, of, a, of a time that's met with lots of weakness, be strong. And then four different times he says to stand. In verse 14, stand. And he says, stand, having the belt of truth in, four, in verse 14, the breastplate of righteousness, the battle boots of peace in verse 15, and the shield of faith and we talked about the confidence of our faith last week. But then this week, look at verse 17. It says, take the helmet of salvation. How do we stand? How can we be strong? By taking the helmet of salvation. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would please speak to our hearts through this message. God, it is your word that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword that does the work. Now, Lord, I pray that you would work and move in, in a powerful way, Lord, would you help us to have our thoughts and minds geared toward uh, not things that are without, but things that are within and things that are above. Lord, I do ask that you would please um, help the, uh, the word to be used by your spirit in such a powerful way. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You know, in this series, we've been calling it Battle Ready, and we've been doing kind of a checklist of questions to ask if we are going to be ready. See, the battle's inevitable, but victory's possible when we're relying on the protection that God's provided. And so uh, we've been asking questions like, are you ready for conflict? Are you ready for peace? Are you ready for confidence? Are you ready to surrender? Are you ready for temptation? All of these things the last five or six weeks, we've really been diving into. But today, I'm going to ask the question, are you ready to protect your identity? Now, I'm not really talking about your financial and personal identity. That's certainly something you want to protect. And it's really scary when you lose your financial identity. In fact, um, I read about a, um, a uh, young man in uh, Australia who got down under, if you're wondering, uh, got his uh, identity stolen uh, by a, a thief who would, who would try to find out people's names and then he would watch them until they came to the post office and he would see their post office box and he'd match up the name with the box and then he'd, he would make a fake ID and then he would go to the box and he would continue to get their mail until he got certain sensitive information that he could steal their entire ID. 
And this is, this is the guy whose ID, uh, their, his identity was stolen. Well, being robbed is an awful feeling, and when it's your identity that's been stolen, it's even worse. Getting it back can be a financial and emotional nightmare, but there are ways to protect yourself. Brazen thieves caught in the act, snatching parcels from doorsteps in full view of security cameras. But for Taylor Dent, the theft of a package was much more sinister. I think because it's so easy, all you need to do is to follow a postman around and see which ones drop off parcel receipts. Um, and then you not only can get that parcel, but you have access to so much information that you can then use to impersonate someone's identity. Nothing could seem more ordinary than a trip to the post office, but for the 27-year-old, it plunged him into a parallel universe where his very identity was under siege. Just not knowing what that person is trying to get this information for and to know that they will then have this forever. There are people out there that are wanting to really take sensitive information they are wanting to misuse it. They are wanting to mislead others in order to gain value in your name. And just as your personal and financial identity can be stolen and can be misused, your spiritual identity, who you are in Christ, can be twisted, can be turned, can be hijacked and misused. And so this is what I believe that the helmet of salvation is talking about. He's saying to put on the helmet of salvation to a group of believers in Ephesus. These are people who uh, heard the word of truth as uh, chapter one says, they believed in Jesus as the only way for salvation and they received this salvation. So why is he telling them to put on the helmet of salvation when these are people who clearly already have that he's writing to? This is a letter to the church at Ephesus. And he's saying that because many times we forget who we are in Jesus Christ. What happened at the moment of salvation? Now I have to tell you right up front, okay, that this is a very personal topic to me. Uh, identity in Christ, I believe, is at the core of all transformation. And so I might get a little amped from time to time, okay? And I, I want you to know that I'm I, I'm, I'm, this is the second time doing it and I'm, I'm feeling more amped than, than the first service and they were just waking up, okay? So you'll have to work with me here. But I wanna tell you the takeaway because here's where we're gonna land. And when you hear this, we are, we are finished with our talk today, uh, with, the, with the message. But here's the takeaway. To protect and transform our mind, we need to remind ourselves of our true identity as children of God and as followers of Jesus Christ. I am a child of God and I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, if you can say that today, could you repeat after me? I am a child of God, and I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, as proud as I am to be an American, and as thankful as I am uh, to be a father, and as amazed as I was the first day I became uh, a husband, and I was so thankful to be a husband and father, and I I'm so grateful to be a pastor, and all of those things are how you would identify me and how I would identify myself. Ultimately, if all of that went away tomorrow, I would still be a child of God and a follower of Jesus Christ. That is our identity. That is who we are as children of the Lamb. We believe 
so that we can have life. This life then is a life that is started through belief, but I wanna back up a little bit further and say that you cannot believe in something you've never thought about. That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We said that last week, but as we encounter the knowledge of God, we realize that we need him. We turn from our sin and we turn toward Jesus. That's the moment of salvation. The moment of conversion is turning from sin, turning to Jesus and placing our faith and trust in him. Okay, so where's the helmet come in? (laughs) The helmet comes in because the helmet is a protector of life. If you get a brain injury, your life as you know it is done. Either you stop breathing or you cannot function the normal way because there's been something that's damaged to a critical part of your body, and that is your brain. And so baseball, this is uh, one of my boys' baseball helmets. Baseball, okay, uh, wears helmets. Football, football helmets, right? Um, you know, they're, they're wearing pretty high-tech helmets. I'm not sure if we have a picture of a, of a football helmet, but, uh, but man, they have, uh, some of them are like air-conditioned. Some of them have radios in it. Some of them have like these uh, shock absorbers and all sorts of things. Um, but, uh, but this, we might not have the picture, and if we don't, it's fine. I'll move on. Uh, but this is a football helmet. Um, and, uh, but originally, when they were wearing them, this is what the first type of football helmet looked like. It just didn't provide as much protection, right? They knew they had to have something there, right? But literally, it was just a piece of leather. No padding, nor sh- no shock absorber. And so you used to identify a football player with leather helmets. Now we identify them with the newer helmets, with the face, gar- the face mask and all of that, okay? So depending on what kind of helmet you're wearing, whether you're wearing a hard hat, you would say a construction worker, right? Whether you're wearing, uh, you know, a, um, a, a baseball helmet, football helmet, sports helmet, something like that, right? So there's different kind of helmets for different kind of, uh, a different kind of purpose. The helmet of salvation is what is protecting our thoughts, the way we are processing this information. Now, we have to go back to the original helmet because I said there's lots of different helmets. This is referencing a helmet that they would have, this would have been the only context. We have lots of helmets now. They only had one helmet, the helmet of salvation. We're gonna talk about how it's salvation. But this was a first century helmet, a Roman helmet, and it was used for two purposes. Before I tell you these two purposes, I want to show you what the helmet looked like. Uh, and so here's, here's a video of a first century Roman helmet. On his head, Placidus wears a helmet of Gallia. It is made of iron or sometimes of a brass alloy. The helmet is designed to offer maximum protection to the soldier's head. A neck plate, ear guards, cheek pieces, and a brow band all help to defer or cushion the blow of an enemy weapon. The helmet is tightened with a leather strap under the chin. I don't know if you guys can pause that, but if if you go, if you if you if you got that image in your mind of all the protective gear, where are the weak points? Your ears and your face. Now, how do you identify someone with their face? How do you receive information? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's no mistake that the helmet of salvation comes right after the fiery darts are mentioned in verse 16. God 
is trying to protect you, but there's ultimately a vulnerability. Satan can always give something in your ear. By the way, the person you listen to the most, the person that I listen to the most is me, is you. And if he can get you thinking on something other than the truth, if he can get you thinking on the fact that your spouse doesn't have your best interest or that your kids are really demons, right? Or, or there's someone at work that just is the reason why you need to get a new job. If he can get you thinking about something, get you off track on your mission, then he can really get in and mess with all of the inward workings of transformation and protecting our minds. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me sh- shoot it straight with you. The helmet was to save the life, but it was also to identify the soldier with a certain army. Now, here's what's not being said in churches today. We are an army. We do not fight with with weapons that are of uh, carnal weapons, weapons of warfare. We use the sword of the spirit, which I will tell you next week all about, the sword of the spirit, and we are fighting a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, rulers of darkness, right? We already studied that. And so this is a spiritual battle. And so the helmet provided salvation but it also provided identification. Now you say, where in the Bible does it mention the helmet identifying a soldier? Well, in Ezekiel 27.10, it talks about the fact that they would hang the helmets on the wall as a sign of victory, as a sign of, of being thankful and proud that they were in the battle. Now, you might be battling with a friend. You might have battled with a virus. You might be battling with something inside your head or mind that you just can't let go of. But I will tell you what you're really battling with is Satan. You are battling a spiritual battle. And so the physical helmet represents the fact that he wants us to protect our mind. Battles are won and lost in the mind. And so there are two ways that we can protect and transform our thoughts. And I want to give you the first one, and it is to be, it is to be, go ahead and put it up there, intentional. To be intentional. We have to be intentional with our thoughts. Now, where do we get this in this, in this passage? The first part is that it says, take up. Letter A, I want you to see that our thought patterns are chosen. The reason you think on what you think and the reason I think on what I think, and I'm just trying to help you this morning. I'm really passionate about this, so I'm not trying to come on super strong. I I want you guys to to, to go with me, okay? We're all on a journey going through this passage with me, okay? So some of you are looking at me like, oh, he's he's really amped today. I know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have my coffee, all right? But, but, But go with me, I want you to get this. It says the word take, and we studied that last week because it was how we took up the shield. Take is onalambano. It literally means to grab, to lift, and to hold or to strap tightly. In this context, it means to strap on, to receive in your hands and to place on your head. You saw that soldier tightening his helmet around his head, making sure it wouldn't fly off in battle. I will tell you that the reason, even in this moment, Satan is working to make sure that you're not receiving, taking up, this truth, because if you can identify with anything other than being a child of God and a follower of God, he will focus on that. And our culture is all about identity outside of this book. 
and, and, and the subcategories and the groups and all of the different things, all of the fact, fractions in our society and all the other identities that are put on it, like you are less of a person if you aren't married or you are more of a person if you are wealthy or do you see how I mean? Like our culture identifies things with, with, with based on our own values and God says, hold on, time out. The greatest value of all is to be a child of Jesus and to be a follower of him. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. It's so important because Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts develop your heart. Let me say that again. Your thoughts develop, or the opposite is true, destroy your heart. The heart is all that is within you. The heart is your character. The heart is your emotions your soul, your empathy, your heart matters. Every issue in life, business, family, church, every issue comes out of the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, so, so then how do we protect how we think? If how we think develops or destroys our heart, then we have to back up and say, wait, wait a second, how is, how is what we're thinking going to change? How are the patterns going to be chosen? Well, let me just back up and, and tell you some things that maybe you've forgotten since anatomy and, and physiology, right? The brain is different than the mind. We know that. The brain is our gray matter. That's literally the thing you can dissect, right? The thing you can study. The, we know more about the universe, though, than we do about the mind, we know more about stars than we do about our dreams. The brain is the, what houses, the, the body houses the brain just like the brain houses the mind. Goes a little further, the mind houses the soul. We'll get that in a minute. So the mind, okay, are, are the collection, the overarching patterns of our thoughts. It's, it's, it's how we process things. And the helmet, here's a key thought, represents the protection of the brain so that victory can be won in the mind. See, if you let anything just rip through your brain, any fear, any, any depressive thought, anything, any anger, anything, uh, just rip through your brain, it is going to have an effect on your heart and on your mind. So thoughts, as one author put it, are the vocabulary of our brains, while emotions are the vocabulary of our body. What you feel is a reflection of how you've been thinking. Let me say it again. What you feel is a reflection of how you've been thinking. This is all throughout scripture. It, it is seen on every uh, single person in this room. You can, you can tell how you're feeling based on how you've been thinking. So thoughts inform feelings. And then when we start feeling the chemical reaction in our body, then our feelings start to kind of control our thoughts. That's dangerous because our thoughts lie to us. So here's an action item. Every battle begins in the mind, so we need to set some boundaries and benchmarks for our thoughts. Men, there needs to be some benchmarks. There needs to be some things to say, I'm going to think on these things that are healthy and good and, and develop me and, and strengthen me and, and, and grow me as a, as a man and as a businessman and, and as a father and as a husband. These are some things I'm growing in. 
then there needs to be some boundaries to say, hey, listen, there's going to be some things I'm not going to think on. And it's going to come into my mind. It's not a sin for it to come into my mind, but it's a sin for it to stay there. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let it pass. you got four-second window to let it go. All right? And so the brain is the control center of the body, and the mind is the control center of the soul. That is why Jesus said, let this, or Paul said about Jesus, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He didn't say that literally you're going to get a mind transplant. He said, no, it's not about transplanting the, the mind. It's, it's about rewiring the mind. Let how Jesus thought be how you are thinking. And so be not conformed to this world. The world is the system of how everyone around you and culture is thinking. Don't conform to that. But be transformed, how? Romans 12, 2, by the renewing of your mind. The Bible continues and tells us how we can renew our mind. It's through scripture, it's through prayer. and Casting down imagination, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. And every high thing that exalted itself with the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, the word captivity is kind of weird because that's the same word as slavery, but it's also the same way as grabbing something and pulling it out of the way or to a safe place. The only way I can illustrate this is my favorite superhero, and, and, and please, I don't want to start any wars here, but my favorite superhero, by far, hands down, is Spider-Man, okay? I've always liked Spider-Man from when I was a little kid. And, and Chandler, okay, and, 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 and Camden has his favorites, but, but Chandler's favorite, as far as I know, it has always been Spider-Man. In fact, our first, uh, one of our first Sundays here at New Life uh, over in David G. Millen, uh, he had this little Spider-Man uh, paint-up thing, and, and I, I think that was done with marker. I'm not sure, uh, but eventually it came off. He, here he is spinning the webs, but I, what I want is I want you to get that picture of, of, of Spidey spinning those webs and grabbing something, a bus or, or some object before it hurts someone. Taking that thought into captivity is literally web-slinging your thoughts to say, nope, that doesn't go there. We, we're not going to go there. But, but what, if, what if that happens? Nope, we're not going there. Oh, but, but, but you don't know what I've done. We're not going there. But, but if, if, if you knew my story, nope. <laughs> we're not going, we're bringing them into captivity of obedience of Christ not obedience to our feelings. You guys get that? And so we have this idea that's, that's being placed in our, in our text here about a, about a helmet that, that needs to be intentionally, it's intentional, it's intentionally on, on Blano, it's, it's put onto our mind or onto our head to protect our mind, and it's strapped on, but it is the helmet of what? Of salvation. Now, I believe that the first and, and most obvious, based on the context, is, is it's talking about, letter B, it's talking about that eternal security is the priority. So, so the priority first is protecting what, what is sealed. Chapter 1, verse 13, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And I've given you some verses in here about how Jesus took on the helmet of salvation, uh, Isaiah 59, and he took it on to, to give us the assurance that once we are his children, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons and daughters of God, uh, John uh, 1, 12. So once we are the sons and daughters of God, John 16, 37 says, he will in no wise cast you out. 
Meaning, as much as I love my boys, they are going to disappoint me, but they are never going to be cast out. They will always be my children. They will always be my sons. I love them. Therefore, once they are in my family, I am not gonna disown them. And I will tell you right now, if Satan can get you doubting your salvation, he will get you off track and completely disillusioned in your faith. How do I know that? I've been there. Now, let me give you a key thought because there's a difference between eternal security and assurance of salvation. Eternal security is how God feels about us as his children. But our assurance of our salvation is how we feel about our relationship with God. So it's our relationship with God that many times when it falters and fails, we think, well, I don't know if I'm in a relationship with him. And he's saying, yes, you are. You're just, I'm reaching out and your back is toward me. Listen, run toward me and your relationship will be secured. You see, Jesus said in John 10, he says, listen, when you are in my hand and you've chosen to be there uh, because you've been saved by the blood of the lamb, you, you, are, you are saved by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you are in the hand of God, uh, you are in Jesus' hand, wrapped up in God's hand, and, and he says, and no one is plucking you out of my hand nor my father's hand, for I and my father are one. John 10, 30, listen. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed until the day that I see Jesus. Listen, the moment I place my faith in Jesus Christ, that settled it. My eternal security is the priority. And every time Satan tempts us to shake our assurance of our salvation. We need to inform our doubts with the object of our faith. That is that Jesus is the reason. Uh, his grace is the reason that I am saved. And it's not up to me. It's not up to the words that I said. It's not up to the, uh, to, to the strength of my faith. It's the object of my faith. I heard the word of God and I placed my faith in him. And it is him alone that I am resting my assurance in. And so we have that protection, the protection of our intentional thoughts about who we are in Christ and about how he wants us to think. But I want you to see as we close today, the final point, and it is this. Preparing the soul, so we talked about uh, protecting the mind, but protecting the soul is possible. Now you say, well, okay. Yeah, you've been saying it's possible. Well, hold on. Satan wants you to think that you can't change the way you think. Satan wants you to really believe that the way you are wired is you are predisposed to have certain temptations and certain things that trip you up, certain things that trip me up. And so if Satan can get you doubting the, the, the ability for God to protect you, Man, he's got you right where he wants you because you'll never change if you don't believe it's possible. And so where do we see this? He says it's the helmet. The word helmet uh, is something that surrounds your head. It's a hard hat, but it's a protective gear that, that they would wear. And, and it's interesting to me that, that this was always 
a sign of victory. When you, when you would beat an army, you would pick up their helmet. David did this. You would pick up their helmet and you would raise it into the air because it was a picture of conquering the enemy. And we have already conquered the enemy. Jesus has come and he has overcome the evil one. And so we need to know two things as we close today. Number one, we need to know that identity in Christ is settled. Let's say that together. Identity in Christ is settled once you identify as being a child of Jesus Christ. And by the way, you can't do that on your own. You can't do that by being, you know, religious, going to church. Your identity is settled when Jesus says, I accept you. I, 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 am, I am choosing you as my child. He will not force that on you. But if you're sitting here or watching online or in the parking lot and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, get that part of your identity settled today. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. But the moment you do that, your identity is settled. Meaning, Ephesians 1 says, you are loved. You are accepted. You are beloved. You are forgiven. You are a child of God. Why? You are adopted into the beloved. You can read that. That's one long on the screen right now is one long. It's, it's several verses, but it's one sentence. He didn't want to split up anything. He didn't want to put a, he didn't want to put a period. He said, no, I got I to gotta take one big breath to tell you who you are. This is settled. This is your identity. And so here's a key thought. Our identity is not just settled based on what God says. It's based on who he is as well. And so I would encourage everyone in this room to take a moment this week, read this passage of scripture that I have on the screen, and take an inventory of all of the incredible aspects of your new identity in Jesus Christ. So know that your identity is settled. And then finally, know that your value in Christ stays the same. If your identity in Christ is settled, that means your value in Christ stays the same. You put on the helmet of salvation, that means you are, as Romans 8 says, you are joint heirs with Jesus. You have access to everything that he has promised you in his word. And so we can put on this helmet of salvation and its protection and stability for our new identity. And just as we need to watch our thoughts for any uh, development of any uh, you know, discipline or, or, or anything that we do in life. We, we need to watch the way we're speaking about our own identity. For instance, I'm not sure who needs to hear this, but we've all made mistakes in this room. But let me just remind you that you are not a mistake. That God has redeemed you, and when he did, he placed Jesus's righteousness on your account. He calls you his own. He calls you his child, his follower. You are not a mistake. You are uh, a child of God. And so here's a key thought. You are not a product of what you have done, nor in bondage to how you feel, you are who God says you are, and that is just as real. That is an incredible moment to realize that, hey, this is truly who you are. So I'm going to end with this story, and, and then we have uh, several things that are happening after the service that I'm excited about doing. But when we started 
uh, down the process to getting uh, 135 acres, and then we were planning on selling a portion of those acres. We didn't know who to sell them to, and the county of Los Angeles said, we have a program where if, if you will guarantee that certain acreage is left open, it's called open space land, we will give monies to uh, the city of Palmdale to purchase a portion of that property. And they said, but you need to come down to the county supervisor and meet with all these people. And man, I'll never forget. It was the most intimidating thing. I don't know if you've ever been to that downtown building. It's really tall and there's you know lots of floors and it's really hard to find parking. And I'd never been in that building before and I stood in and I looked up at that building and I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm all alone down there in this big meeting. I had no idea what to say, no idea what to do. I walked through the front doors and I walked around and it's like a maze. If you've ever been in there, it's like a maze. It's like, where am I going? Everything looks the same. And finally I found the elevators. I was so happy to see these elevators. And I was like, man, this is, now I'm not gonna be late. And I get to the top and I get out of the elevators and I look down the hallway and it was longer than the ones downstairs. And they all looked at him and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I was running up and down the hallways, like looking for, finally I found the room. And I walked into the supervisor's office and there were offices that led to offices and there were boardrooms inside of boardrooms. And I sat down at the table and everyone had their notepads and all their papers and we were gonna meet about this open space land. And they had to go through all of this protocol and red tape and I was just sitting there and I didn't have anything. I was just literally sitting there my hands in my lap, and I was feeling so uncomfortable. Have you ever been in this place where you just felt so uncomfortable? Maybe, maybe some of you, that this is your first time, you're like, yeah, it's right now, okay? <laughs> it's all right, that's all right. I just sit there like, oh, I can't believe this. And I'll never forget, they all started pouring in, about 30 or 40 of them, and they had aides whispering things in their ear and handing them pieces of paper, and I didn't have any paper. I didn't have anyone whispering anything in my ear. I was just sitting there, and they all started to introduce themselves and they all had like these really fancy titles, you know, executive assistant and land, you know, manager of Bureau of Land Management, you know, whatever. And they had all of these, you know, titles and badges and, and, and papers and, and protocols and they knew all the lingo. And I was just sitting there like, what am I doing here? I want them to pay for part of our church land, but no one told me it would be this awkward. I'll never forget a guy walked in and right after I introduced myself and I just said, my name is Peter and I'm a pastor of New Life Rancho Vista and we want this land and we want you guys to help pay for it. <laughs> and I'll never forget the guy right next to me. He kind of scooted his chair next to me and he stood up and I noticed when he stood up, everyone just kind of looked like, whoa, this guy's speaking. And I would later find out that he was a successful business owner and and, and, and really well connected in the, in the county. But he stood up and he said, my name is John. And he's like, I'm here to help this guy because he's a pastor. He's a minister of the gospel of Jesus. And we need to get this, this deal done. And he stood and he sat down and I was like, yeah, that's who I am. That's my title. I'm with this guy right here. And that's who I, and I'll never forget, man, the rest of the meeting, I was like, I was feeling invincible. Like, man, I floated out of that office. They approved the deal. And I'm like, 
my goodness, we're getting land and the devil's paying for part of it. And I'm so, I was so thankful because he stood up and you know what he did? He reminded me of who I was. And sometimes we just need someone to remind us of who we are. Sometimes we just need someone to tell us, hey, listen, you might be a little bit timid and afraid and you might be a little bit shy about your faith, but I just want to remind you that you are a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and you are a follower of Jesus. Jesus Christ. And you don't have to shy away. So here's the takeaway. Let me remind you of this. That you have an identity. And your true identity is to be a child of God. You are a child of God. And you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I would invite you today to turn from your wicked ways and turn to Jesus because walking with Jesus is the greatest experience, the greatest uh, thing that you will ever do. It's the greatest path, the greatest uh, mission. But listen, we're not doing it alone. We're doing it together. And so here's the takeaway, and it's very practical. Here's Here's the action item, and it is this. I would encourage you to join a small group. This isn't about us, not the church. It's about you being reminded by people around you who you are. And if you're like, I don't want to join a small group. I mean, sitting in a circle, that's just really, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm just not that type of person. I would encourage you to join a Bible meditation group. You know what Bible, Bible meditation groups do? It allows people that aren't like me, that are introverts, okay, to just text someone. Hey, here's my prayer request. Here's what I'm reading. There is nothing more encouraging in my day than getting a text from one of you. Hey, here's what I'm reading. Here's what God's doing. Man, that's awesome. That's incredible. And so in order to do this, I'm gonna pray. And at the very end of the service, we're gonna have the ushers come and bring some sign-up cards. And if you'll join a Bible meditation group today, and I want everyone who can to join, but if you'll join a Bible meditation group today, we have a devotional that's called Boots on the Ground. It kind of goes with the theme of being Bible ready. At the end of the service, we're gonna let you fill, fill these out and drop them off at the connection point. We want to give you a, a devotional so that you can read these stories from history and read these practical truths from God's word and be able to share those with other people as well. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church. Or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Five New Life. Have an amazing day.